Marvelites, you are listening to Marvel's The Pullist 4 Comics, coming out September 26, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, and I'm joined by Tu... Not Tucker. Not Tucker, the Untucker. I'm Lorraine Sink. <laughs> Can you now be referred to as the Untucker? <laughs> yes. And then... What if I was a supervillain called the Untucker and I untucked shirts? Yeah. Dastardly. Pitch it. Okay. C.B. Sabolsky, what do you think? I'm C.B. Sabolsky. Definitely a good idea. Wow. He loved it. We're going to press, uh, but we'll have to work on that after this episode. If you're just joining us on Marvel's Apollos, we don't often have cameos by Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sabolsky, but we do talk about all the new comics out every week. Print issues, digital issues, collections, single stuff, all the good stuff. Before we dive into the books, I do want to give a shout out to Best Comics International in New Hyde Park, Long Island. I was visiting my mom this weekend for her birthday, and so I stopped by the comic shop that's near her house, and I went in and I started going through their their bins looking for some uh, old what-if issues that I was missing. Aww. They're on my, my checklist. Uh, it's a store I go into fairly often whenever I visit my mom. I like to buy stuff, and I did. What a good Samaritan you are. You should pay your comic book shops. Yeah, it's a that's good thing. true. No, it's true. If we don't have comic book shops, what do we got? Nothing. No teeth. We no, lose all wait, our teeth. Without that's co- not how that I'm works. I'm pretty sure. You know what? Let's not get into science. Let's dive into the new books. I'm going to go first with Amazing Spider-Man number six. This is the first part of a trivial pursuit. New storyline written by Nick Spencer. Art by Umberto Ramos. Inks by Victor Olazaba. And colors by Edgar Delgado. With letters by Joe Caramagna from Virtual Calligraphy. There's also a sequence in here by Superior Foes of Spider-Man art team Steve Lieber and Rochelle Rosenberg. They are credited at the back because there's an actual Superior Foes of Spider-Man scene in the book. Yeah, Nick Spencer just bringing those Superior Foes back at every turn. I want more boomerang in my life. And Heck this yeah. provides it. Totally. So this issue has several things I love. One, smooching. Two, the bar with no name, the wonderful bar that is built for villains. Three, the Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Four, Fiddle Faddle. I have loved Fiddle Faddle since I first saw Fiddle Faddle in the movie Freaked, which is the best movie. Uh, it that is sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, Alex Winter. Yes, I do remember this. Keanu movie. Reeves plays the dog boy or the wolf boy. <laughs> yeah. Uncredited. Mr. T is in it. Bobcat Goldthwait plays a sock. Randy Quaid plays the big bad. It is tremendous. Anyway. Fiddle Faddle is great. And this is the start of a new arc, which is also a bit of a cool down after that wild kickoff of the first few issues of this new Amazing Spider-Man. And I think my favorite Nick Spencer stuff is sort of when he leads with the comedy. Uh, He's got great banter, especially with the characters he clearly loves, such as Boomerang and Taskmaster and Black Ant. And he sets up, you know, like just fun scenarios for his artists. All the shots of the bar with no name are just packed with little Umberto Ramos flair and panache and his... Super great. It's like a Where's Waldo of villains, really and truly, getting to see the bar with no name. And also, I just I just want more Boomerang all the time. I love him just interrupting Peter's life, but I also like watching Peter get into his own lore. Just being like, yeah, I know me. Oh, that was so good. They go to Spider-Man trivia night at the bar with no name. And he obviously crushes. Yeah. Uh, next book is Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number 24, written by Peter David, art by Bruno Oliveri, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I love that this book is completely unpredictable. Poor Ben, he cannot catch a break, just as he's like starting to not be a total D-hole. Uh, would you prefer B-hole? C-Q? L-hole? M-hole? Oh, not a total M-hole, 
And then everybody's going to wonder what the hell is an M-hole. It's a manhole. Perfect. Not a total M-hole. And this issue is an hour of him struggling with bleeding to death, running from his clone brother, and trying not to die. So if Peter Parker has Peter Parker luck and he's a clone, can you clone luck? I think, it, yeah. It seems like... It I might, guess they're just both M-holes. Just big old M-holes. <laughs> uh, I've only been to Las Vegas once, and it feels like a perfect setting for the chase that happens in this issue with like the fake Eiffel Towers and the castles and Ferris wheels and just kind of meh-ness. It was very warm there. And it was, everybody smoked, and I hated that. Ryan also hates being warm. I just despise it. He gets it. so angry just by normal heat. It is disgusting and should be outlawed. I'm from California. I'm totally fine with it. Heat is acceptable. No. Are we going to hit this next one? Oh, great. Let's do it. Black Panther number four, the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. I saw your brain start to go into Beastie Boys mode. Like you were going to start, it seemed like you were going to start singing. I'm always just one tick away. Yeah. Uh, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Art by Daniel Acuna. VCs Joe Sabino on lettering and just everybody else. Just a lot of people working on this book. It is beautiful, though. It, I mean, clearly Daniel Acuna's art really shines. The coloring is so gorgeous. It feels very painterly. And the moment that always shakes me, Nayami, you know, we know her. She's the mother of Black Panther in our Earth sort of world. She passed away during childbirth with T'Challa. She's here in this comic in a different way as sort of a general figure. And it's just really, I don't know why, but there's something about every time I read her name that I feel like, what if T'Challa knew this was going on? Like what feels he would have and that he gets to have this relationship with her. Just something about that really rocks me every time I see it. Obviously this is sort of a Wakanda far, far away, a la maybe some other far, far away universes, but not in that universe. Don't get excited. It's um like a war, an interstellar war, a war of stars. It kind of has a feel. Galaxy Quest? <laughs> yes, that's it. You got it. You nailed it. Right hammer on the head of a nail. Well, that's, what, what I think is cool is like, this does feel like a Wakanda of the future, but we also don't know when it takes place because it's no, so, yeah. it, it is in... Far space. And so you get that sci-fi feel, but it's still, it could be yesterday because- It could be right now. What what I find wild is also that we're only four issues into the story. And it feels like we've seen and done so much with this intergalactic empire of Wakanda, but this is, we've only seen a small snippet of things. Uh, Speaking of um, Daniel Cunha's art though, I wanted to make sure, shout out, the colors that he uses are so smart. There's this uh, half page panel of different spots with T'Challa taking down various dudes and the colors, they're focused on purple and green with some red. It's very effective at showing T'Challa as both master strategist and fighter. So terrific. What's also terrific is Domino Annual Number One. This is a big one. It's got five five stories for the price of one. You did it. First story is written by Gail Simone, art by Victor Abanez. Second is written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Juan Gideon. Third is by Dennis Hopeless with Leonard Kirk. Domino and the Rejects is the fourth one by Leah Williams and Natasha Bustos. And the final one is uh, I love the title of it which is, I think is the overarching story. Saturdays are for the body count. 
which is a great title. Uh, it's by Leah with art by Michael Shelfer. Jesus Arbutov does coloring on most of them, along with J. David Ramos and Clayton Cowles on letters. A lot of people to name, but that's always super important for us. Want to make sure people get the credit they deserve. But this is my kind of annual. We've got a bunch of stories by different creative teams giving glimpses into the main character and some special support characters. We get smooching. Also, bath time. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting. If you read this, it's called out in Extermination. I was just going to say that. I love, I just love the payoff of reading books the same time. And that's just such a fun moment. Yeah. Boom Boom getting just grossed out by the fact that Cable and Domino bathe together. When you say bathe like that. No, there shouldn't be a, an E at the end of that word. Bathe? Bathe. So we've got a bunch of stories. We've got the story of how Domino and Diamondback linked up with Outlaw, which I thought was terrific. Oh, so fun. Yep. Pip the Pugs in the book. Uh, There's a really sweet story about a support group for mutants. I don't often get stumped by characters in books, but there were some I wasn't fully aware of uh, because Leah, she goes deep with her references. She's terrific. And so obviously I knew Nightcrawler and Dupe. I knew uh, Maggot and Beak and Marrow, Toad and Bling and Eyeboy. But we, we have... Briquette, who I still don't know who that is. She's in this book. I don't know enough about her. Stacey X, which I thought that was cool seeing Stacey X. And what she's going through is just such a great story. We have Thumbelina. I believe she was one of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Nasty Boys. Yeah. Uh, And then my favorite is Kylan, K-Y-L-U-N, who is such an obscure character. When I told Chris, I was like, yeah, Kylan, that's who it was. I thought it was. He's like, you and cover artist Raza are the only people who have got excited to me about that character. It makes me happy. I'm in good company. I know. I do love that story so much as well. Uh, It's a sort of group therapy situation that has different mutants dealing with different issues that take on different lives. And it's just a very poignant read that's really nice at the end of that book. I think it's a nice little cherry on top. Speaking of cherries on top, Edge of Spider get in number four. It is kind of cherry on top because it's uh, the beginning of the end. Spider Geddon is on its way. Uh, words by Aaron Cooter. Pictures also by Aaron Cooter with a couple of pages by Will Robson there. Inks by Craig Young and Will Robson. Colors by Andres Mosa. Letters by Feces Corey Petit. Cover by Aaron Cooter and Dean White. Uh, so this is a different spider. We're introducing different Spider-Verse type characters in each issue. This is meeting a new spider, which is an Osborne spider. Mm -hmm. It is dark. It is creepy. It is different. And if you have those Peter Parker and Harry Osborne friendship feels and you ship them as best pals, this is for you. It really explores their friendship uh, and it explores this different universe. But it's it is really dark and it is there's something about it that um you feel like, oh, this is going to matter a lot in the Spider-Verse story, not just because they kind of tell you in the text. <laughs> On the cover. What does Meet the mysterious Spider-Man who changes the course of Spider-Geddon. <laughs> okay, so they literally tell you. But you can really feel, you know, the artwork changes towards the end because it is going to affect Spider-Verse. I love this because I love Superior Spider-Man. It has a Superior Spider-Man feel in that it's kind of a more villainous Spider-Man. So get it. Oh, also shout out to the word kobolds, which is in this, which if you're a D&D player, you're like kobolds for life. They're usually little toady dudes that you try to kill in caves if you're playing D&D. But I appreciate it. You got to do what you got to do, man. You got to level up. I don't know. I have changed Ryan's view of me in this moment. I have a real weird thing about like killing 
animals in any kind of game? Like there are just some games I won't play. Because They're malevolent. You have to... They are not nice. Do they steal your pizza? Yeah, that's like exactly the kind of thing they would do. Then done. Screw them. Get yeah. out of here. Get out of here, you we stupid pizza eaters. exterminate them. <laughs> nice segue. Right? <laughs> Next book is Extermination, issue three. Uh, that's what you get when you put me and Lorraine together, and it's good stuff. Uh, things are heating up in this issue, which is written by Ed Brisson, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VC Joe Sabino. There's so many things to talk about here. We've got, of course, the big bad, who is Ahab, who is from the future. He was in an old story. He comes back every once in a while. He does messed up things. Two mutants turning them into mutant hunters makes them have these weird tattoos on their faces. It's no good. In this issue, we see that there's been some tweaks to how Ahab has control over his hounds, the mutant hunters. And it's just the most insidious thing where he just snaps his fingers and they turn. And... It's such a good, evil plan. I hate it. I hate this guy. And just watching friends forced to turn on friends without being able to control it and the things that they're going to feel when they're done doing that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like that show Friends. It is exactly like that. Right after they get in that fountain, they try to kill each other. That's, I think, what's happened. I've never seen a full episode. Uh, But yeah, one of the things I had to point out here was Pepe Larraz's artwork. Because he has like thicker line work for outlines of people and it works really well in this book to focus your attention you can look at the battle scene there's one with the the beasts in the mansion and there's action in the background but the foreground really stands out because of the way he he frames the characters in in the line work it's so good in the way of all these sort of x events i expect next issue to be full of revelations and the last issue to be the big blowout it's feeling like a classic x-men event Well, I have a classic turned on its head. And guess what? That means I liked it. That's what I... I'm going to spit water all over this. It's great. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to choke you. But I did mean to tell you guys about Infinity Warps. This is Iron Hammer number one, written by Al Ewing, art by Ramon Rosanas, colors by Jason Keith, letters by Corey Petit from VC. And this is a journey into suspense because it's both... Tales of Suspense and A Journey into Mystery because it is a mashup. Of course, we got Iron Hammer, who is Sigmund Stark, who is the Norse god of being Tony Stark. He is a mashup of both Iron Man and Thor. It's really paying a big, huge homage to Tony Stark's original story in comics with a very Thor lens put on it. So you're going to get some dwarves making stuff for somebody and you're going to, all of Thor, you're going to get some wearing a suit a la Tony. And it's just a really super fun jumble of all of the things that you love about both characters. Lots of really fun use of different names in different ways. We have Tony's sort of brooding spirit, and he's got some amnesia going on, along with Thor's sort of worthiness and mightiness and dealing with all of those struggles. And the design of the costume is really cool. It's got all these sort of Norse rune-esque uh things in it and I think it's just really fun honestly to read this and look for what ends up where you know Tony's armor it has a heads up display of course it's got a cool acronym uh it's fun seeing what is the cool acronym Lorraine it's Heimdall get it he's the bridge guy <laughs> he of course <laughs> operates the Bifrost in Hello, our six one six universe. Hello, my name is Heimdall. Uh, my name is Heimdall. I operate the bridge for you. 
Uh, I am really hung up on something right at the beginning of the book, and there, there's this. They're at like a bar in Norway, uh-huh. the ice bar. Yeah, is that a real thing? Yeah, they do them in New York. What? Yes, and you can drink your drink out of an ice goblet situation. I want, I want to go to there. Yeah, it seems cool and also cold. Well, when in Norway, do Norway stuff. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think they call it Norwegian. I don't think there's anything Norwegian about Jessica Jones, number three, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Mattia de Iulis and Marcia Takara with Rochelle Rosenberg. This is the last part of this Marvel Digital original, and it has one of my favorite bits of dialogue this week. It comes from this issue because Kelly Thompson is the best. We have Dia, who is a client of Jessica's with powers, and she's been hiding during some wild stuff with Jessica and Dia's evil ex-boyfriend. Then Dia turns visible in this scene. Jessica says she's proud of her, and she asks if Dia is okay. Dia says, quote, I have never been more frightened in my life. Jessica says, welcome to superpowers. I just love that, like the, the sense of everything can be awful and you'll be scared, but you can get through it. And, and she helps Dia work through all the trauma and all the things that are surrounding her her terrible ex-boyfriend and dying, seeing people die, seeing people come back to life. It's a wonderful story. I also want Kelly to write Doctor Strange just so she can write more scenes with the talking snakes. This book has (laughs) two snakes which hit on Jessica Jones. They hit on Elsa Bloodstone. They uh, get cursed out by Elsa. And then it's just funny, wonderful little bits of banter. Uh, But this is a wrap of that story, easily one of my favorite Jessica Jones stories to date. But oh boy, the second half. Because in the Marvel Digital Originals, you get essentially two comics worth of material at the same time for price of one. The second part, this final issue sort of story in this uh, run is about Danielle's birthday party. And you get surprise hero and villain appearances, great dialogue. Luke and the villain have terrific banter about the meaning of the word loan, L-O-N-E versus L-O-A-N. It's great. And most importantly, it has a huge WTF ending this week, like the biggest one that I am sure people are going to be talking about. I will not spoil anything, but if you've not read this Jessica Jones book, you are missing out. It's great comics. Next book is Marvel 2-in-1, number 10. Two specific bits I loved about this. One, when Johnny tells Mad Thinker that being smart doesn't make you Mr. Fantastic. He says it's about being selfless, about helping people. I thought that was really nice. I did too. Yeah. And then we see Johnny and Ben, and they hug, and they get mushy, and they get sweet. They tell each other that they love each other and that they're brothers. It's a wonderful conclusion to this part of the story, which is done by writer Chip Zdarsky, artist Ramon Perez, Colors by Federico Blee and Letters by Joe Caramagna. And the next issue, I think, we're going to start to see them together because uh, they're back in the regular FF book. Yeah. And also, I I love the opposing Fantastic Four or the less Fantastic Four, as I've been calling them, as they've sort of picked them off one by one. And they're all sort of like, yeah, we know better. <laughs> the one guy is just like, I give I, up. Whatever. Yeah, just, take me home. You guys got it. You take this one. And I'm going to take this one. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 35. Fui, fui, fui. All right. It's written by Brandon Montclair, art by Natasha Bustos, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, lettered by VCs Travis Lanham, and lots of other great folks doing things. We're talking about Moon Girl. And of course, if you remember last issue, Devil Dinosaur has become an adorable redheaded child that looks like he should belong to me. 
Devin. Devin Dinosaur, obviously. Your normal kid who just goes... Um, I do love that uh, Devil Dinosaur tends to sound like a kitty cat, even though he's a big dinosaur. Lunella is facing off against the wrecking crew, just there to to wreck everything. As is their name. As is they their do name. So well. They do so well, right on the nose. Uh, but Lunella is still on a quest. In one of my favorite sequences that I've seen in a while is all of her trial tests. They just do panel after panel, like keep coming back and doing these recurring jokes of all of the insane ways that Lunella can try to figure out how to solve this brain swap situation. And it's just something out of like every sort of like Encyclopedia Brown kids story where you're just like, Let's try gyroscopes. Let's try brain bucket swapping. Like, let's buckle into the slabs you lay on. I don't know. They're just, it's really fun and creative. And the I don't know what fabulous. your childhood was like. You know, when you buckle yourself into a slab. Cool. That says a lot. It makes a lot more sense now. Wait, you didn't scientifically experiment on each other as children. You and your brother didn't try to swap brains. Oh, you're an only child. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From one moon to another. Oh, boy. We're now at Moon Knight number 199, written by Max Bemis, art by Paul Davidson, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. I'm really mooning over both of these books. You sure are. Bye. <laughs> Moon's over my hammy. <laughs> this book is a, it's like monsters in Williamsburg. Terrible people with bad values and bad uh not the people there the the monsters in here are terrible people with bad values and uh they're just awful and they're sort of the embodiment of the concepts that make a city life hard you know like lack of compassion and those kinds of things and also another D shout out to just like cthulhu-esque creepy crawlies if you love D, just look at these pages because they're beautiful and they have so many creepy crawlies. What is the eyeball guy D&D? What is it? Oh, I, I man? Oh, I, the beholder. He beholds things. He's got lots of eyes. I like him. I sometimes call him the beyonder because I read too many comics <laughs> and then my D&D friends yell at me. That's fair. But this one, it's so cool. Paul Davidson, such a perfect fit for this book. His style is odd and his, his figures look so gnarled. Uh, he draws great creatures packed with details and weirdness. All the Cthulhu-esque monsters, the dragons, the weird demons, the imps, all kinds of stuff. A lot it of looks squid so cool. face. Yeah. And it's a lot of this is about Mark making headway with his devils, like the devil he's dealing with personally, his mental devils, like the devils around him, those that are sort of creeping around people's subconsciousness. It's it's really great. It's very heady, very weird. It's cool as heck. You know what else is cool as heck? Old men, specifically Old Man Hawkeye number nine. <laughs> Written by Ethan Sachs, art by Marco Coquetto, colors by Andres Mosa, lettered by VCs Joe Carmagna. Finally, in this issue, we have Hawkeye versus Bullseye. And with this issue, we're 75% through the story. I recently reread the original Old Man Logan storyline for uh, This Week in Marvel that we were talking about, um, the worst stuff that's ever happened to Wolverine. And I think I may enjoy this story even more in some ways. Both are brutal, but there's a little bit more hope in this book, even though we know it's a revenge story and Clint's blindness is inevitable. Uh, there's just something about it that's like a beacon within it. Marco just, he always does so much on these pages. The big splash in the cathedral has really minute details in the figures that 
aren't necessary, but really continue to elevate this book more and more. Uh, and then you're drawn to this big stained glass window, which is just gorgeous. And later, when he draws Songbird's power coming out, it's like it's like a creature almost. It's really, really stunning. You know what else I think is a really fun device that they use in this is the way they use the silent sister writing out her sort of feelings and thoughts, which reminds me of a lot of videos. You'll see those videos where they don't have audio, but they're playing music and they kind of pull along sides. But in the same way, it's a very heart tugging sort of story that unfolds without actual speech bubbles. Yeah. We are now at Old Man Logan number 48. And uh, I know you're going to love this one, Lorraine, because it's two old dudes. (laughs) Fighting in the Street uh, is written by Ed Brisson, art by Ibrahim Roberson, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Um, this is just two old dudes fighting in the street. Ain't no good can come of that. No, but you know what I do love? Two old dudes. <laughs> the old dudes in question here are Logan and an alternate universe Hulk. One of my favorite panels of the week is when they're falling out of a window mid-fight. It almost feels like you're looking at a slow-motion gif even though it's just a static image. It's a gritty, brutal story, and I really hope Wolverine destroys the hell out of the Hulk in this story. I hope they hug. I know you do. But speaking of that old knucklehead, it is time to talk a little bit about Wolverine the Long Night, which, as y'all know, is now available for free, our first ever scripted podcast. You can hear it right now online or in your podcast app. It starts when a fishing boat is found off the coast of Burns, Alaska. Special agents Sally Pierce and Tad Marshall arrive to find out who or what has killed the crew. And their primary suspect is a drifter named Logan. But the local police won't cooperate and there's more going on in Burns than meets the eye. The podcast stars Richard Armitage as Wolverine. You might know him as Thorne from the Hobbit movies. With Celia Keenan-Bolger as Agent Pierce and Otto Asando as Agent Marshall. Also featuring Bob Balaban, Scott Adsit, and Chris Gethard. You haven't heard anything like this before. The sound design, the acting, and writing are all truly amazing. Check it out. We uh, we did a special episode of This Week in Marvel. You can learn more about it, but you can listen to Marvel's Wolverine the Long Night for free in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And visit WolverinePodcast.com for more info. Hey, what's that I hear? Hot dang. You got another pick. I got another pick. Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man 310. This is the end. Chip Zdarsky, written and colored by an artist by in all kinds of ways. Just a Chip Zdarsky marathon. The way you said it, though, sounds like Chip is written by and he's created by and he's drawn and colored by. I would say that Chip Zdarsky has, in fact, created himself. That is actually 100% accurate. Right? Yeah. Lettered by VC's Travis Lanham. And you guys, I am a little bit obsessed with this because everybody knows, if you know Chip Zdarsky, he is a funny dude. Some say he's a jokester. They sure do. Uh, And in this, there's something that's really fun about it because it still has Chip's really comedic sensibilities. It's sort of all put together in this docu-style. We see these different slices of life with different people talking about how Spider-Man has affected their life. And this is the end of the run for Chip. And he's really kind of tying this up in a beautiful bow. And right when you think like, oh, this is like a kind of a fun chip, lighthearted story, he punches you in your feels and you feel all the feelings. And I just love it. It's such a good Spider-Man story. And I don't want to spoil any of it because I just want you guys to read this. It made me feel so good. And I just love it. Yeah, it's the the testimonials I love because you've got the good stuff, the bad stuff, the funny stuff. And then you have Chip's goodbye letter. 
it's not the longest run in Spider-Man comics, like probably 18 issues or so that Chip did, but it will definitely stand out. It was really, really good. Uh, we'll miss Chip on this book. I think we'll all be punished by not having Chip on the book. That's why we got you here, Lorraine. Next book is Punisher number two, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Simon Kudransky, with colors by Antonio Fabela, with letters by VCs Corey Petit. Man, I just want to say how I love the cover artist Greg Smallwood. Uh, his take on Frank looks a tiny bit like Dolph Lundgren, but like Expendables era Dolph. I dig it. Uh, the first issue we saw, Frank Castle, he killed the Mandarin at the United Nations. And now Frank's just a big old target. You know, you got this story that is now just mayhem and Frank versus everyone. Good guys, bad guys, cops, heroes, Hydra. It is a blast. Uh, also, I like that Frank Castle is now canonically a sesame chicken man, as I am too. Um, also, shout out to the defenders who are really just trying to talk some sense into him and are just getting leveled. And they're just like, dude, stop, please. Like, you're, not, just, you're the worst. Nah, Braham. Yeah. yeah, they definitely say Braham. B R A dash H U M M. Anyway, speaking of people who aren't teenagers, the Sentry, number four. Hot dang, that means it's a hot pick yeah. for Ryan Panagos. I'm going to say real quick, it's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Kim Jacinto and Joshua Casara, Color by Rain Perito and letters by Feces Travis Lanham. So this is the issue that I was waiting for on this book. This is the one that clicked for me. Joshua Casara hits the, the gritty emotional beat. You know, Bob Reynolds, who is the Sentry or the Sentry's alter ego, he is trying to not fall apart, not let the void take over, which is the other side of the coin. He's trying to avoid it. Avoid the noid. Uh, <laughs> that was for me. <laughs> it really was. But, you know, we have Kasara's art on, like, Bob, the weathered. Uh, he's pleading in his mind. Or he draws Cranio in reality, which is an older, out-of-shape man. It just feels gnarly and, and, and dirtier but holy hell the panel of bob on his knees with the void yeah you're looking at it right now it is so cool the void in a sort of suit with like his darkness coming out around him taking shape and faces it's that creepy like sort of oil and water look mm. where it you feel like it's floating in air it is straight dope yes and then you have kim jacinto doing the wild kinetic action of the book it feels like the images are vibrating and exploding off the page line work is crisp and it's fierce it's like literally and figuratively crackling with energy uh, it's one of the most dynamic issues out this week on the art alone. This is just beautiful. I'm yeah. just showing Ryan because I'm obsessed with how beautiful it is. Yeah, you're looking at this double-page spread where Sentry is sort of forming, but it's forming because Bob is doing something and the void is involved. And I don't want to get into it because it's really cool, but it's highly recommended. The last page of this, oh man, so terrific. What's also terrific is... Spider-Geddon number zero! Two for two, right in a row? What yeah. is this? This is bananas. Oh, it's B-A-N-A-S. Uh, first story is written by Christos Gage, art by Clayton Crane, and we have a second story, which is written by Jed McKay, art by Javier Garon, colors by Israel Silva. Travis Lanham from VC does all the lettering, but man, first things first, if you're planning on playing Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4, this issue has some spoilers. Just putting that out there, it does not stop you from enjoying this book, but just, you know, like you've got the game, you haven't proceeded too far, 
just take a note. Uh, but it also has, uh, you know, Spidey from that game with his MJ, his Miles. We have a cameo from J. Jonah Jameson. It introduces the world's tarantula from the, the video game world, which is so cool. He has a neato mustache and calls Spidey Miho, like Wade Garrett calls Dalton in Roadhouse, which makes me happy. <laughs> it's quippy in all the right ways. References the Nazis made of bees Swarm. line. Swarm. Yes. It's swarm. It's like a trigger. I know. I don't know what it is. It's just the craziest character you could possibly think of. Like, <laughs> let's get a Nazi scientist made of bees. Uh, Christos Gage, who worked on the game, who actually wrote the line about Nazis made of bees in the game, put that here in the comic as well. He is doing good work for the world. So it ties into the game, but it also adds to the character and the world in just a few pages. It's really, really spectacular. Plus, it connects... Game Spidey with Superior Spider-Man, which is a huge thing that I won't go into for uh, story and spoiler reasons, and connecting him with Spider-Ganon is such a neat way to, like, open up his world. There's even a line where he's like, wait, there's other universes? There's other worlds? I thought so. It's so cool. You're seeing this 23-year-old Spider-Man get introduced to things that his universe has not seen. Our Spider-Man has seen Infinity Stones and alternate realities, and he's gone to space and all this stuff. But this one, he's dealt with more ground-level, real-life stuff, traumatizing for sure, but seeing him branch out into this is is wonderful. Uh, Clayton, Clayton Crane, he's Holy a beast. Holy smokes, yeah. that is gorgeous art. Yep. Like I mentioned last week when we were talking about Christian Ward on Thor, he often uses color and shade and light to provide form instead of just line work. It makes it really, really beautiful to uh, to just sort of see how that compares to when you see someone who does line work then sends it off to an inker or a colorist. Clayton doing all of it has a, a different level of control. And also, a uh, small spoiler, but Spider-Punk gets razzed epically and it is pretty funny yeah they're just talking smack and speaking of talking smack we've got spider-man versus deadpool number 39 written by robbie thompson with pencils by jim toe inks by sean parsons and jim toe and keith champagne best name in the business (laughs) what a freaking fun book this is of course spider-man and deadpool they are in the savage land they're trying to find their little buddy matrix all of my two dads there is a ton of referencing to my two dads so amazing first off the bat hey the wrecking crew's there again what's going on with them they're getting a double a two for this week double dose of wrecking crew uh they're kicking it in the savage land too and just it's all about the delight of seeing spider-man not kill deadpool and deadpool kind of try to kill Spider-Man. <sighs> it's just the way that it goes. Fun things to look out for, porta potties in the wilderness. Talking dinosaurs. Talking dinosaurs. Plenty of good lethal weapon and oh, a uh, ton of lethal Jurassic weapon. Park jokes. Also uh, true. Some, yep. Uh, a new version of the Warriors 3, which were really cool. Heck to the yes. I'm very excited yeah, about that. This is always one of my favorite books. Easily one of the funniest comics we publish. Uh, what is not a comedy book, but is also have a bunch of moments of levity and Catastrophe is Star Wars Dr. Afra. We have an issue number 24 out this week, written by Cy Spurrier, pencils by Kev Walker, inks by Mark Deering, and colors by Java Tartaglia, with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Cy is Mr. Twists and Turns and Cute Emotional Beats on this book. The banter between Tolvin and Afra is just delightful. They know they're terrible for each other, and they're kind of messed up, but they're super into it. And uh, when the droids show up, 
Nightmare Town. Uh, when Vader shows up, Nightmare Town. When Lorraine shows up, Nightmare Town. <sighs> I'm here for your nightmares. That's what night I pairs? Said. You definitely said night pairs. So <laughs> someone you, is just delivering wait, wait, wait. pairs at night. Well, have you had night terrors? That's when you like have a dream and you can't you get sleep paralysis. But night pairs are when I show up with pairs and you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Ta- I pairs. hate pairs. I, I find them weirdly textured and they make me feel dry. I don't know what okay, it is. Okay, here are the things that I know Ryan hates. Pears, citrus, heat, uh, uh, people that are mean to people who don't deserve it, and gambit. Yeah. yeah. So if, if there was a story about gambit... In, like, the summer, trying to get me to eat pears and grapefruit, it'd be terrible. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, don't like that. But like this book, we also have the droids. We have Vader. We have a bounty hunter show up, a sentient force-sensitive spore. They're all converging on Afra and Tolvin. I want them to get out of this and just have a nice 20-page issue of them hanging out, being happy. I would be a terrible writer. I let the pros do it. Uh, And of course, there's going to be terrible things happen to our beloved characters. Speaking of terrible things happening. There's good things happening. Well, I don't want to po-po your ideas because it's Poe Dameron. Fui-fui-fui, number 31. It's Tucker's Pick of the Week. This is Tucker's Pick, so Ryan, why don't you take it? Yeah, it's written by Charles Soule, art by Angel Ansueta, colors by Arif Prianto, letters by Joe Caramagna. Ah, what a terrific ending to this series. I knew Tucker was going to pick this one. He was so over the moon for this book. Charles and the team, they just hit those perfect notes of hope and strength against odds and family and friendship. Last ditch saves and all the wonderful Star Wars moments that you want. Uh, Post speech at the end as the kids call it, is a banger. And uh, the two-page spread that shows Poe's plan come to fruition, as well as the -the down-to-the-wire action, some of my favorites across the entire series. Plus, it's got humor. The bumbling First Order jerks, so good. Weird stuff like Sir Linda's Venom. It is a tremendous finale to this series. I'm so glad we got 31 issues. Uh, In the back, Charles says it was supposed to be 18 issues, so it went a full 13 more, which is really, really neat. Everyone knows that 13 is lucky. What else is lucky is Venom. Yeah, first host, number five. Uh, This is written by Mike Costa. Art by Mark Bagley and Paco Diaz. With inks by Andrew Hennessy and Paco. Colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. And letters by Clayton Cowles. This is another sweet ending. I really enjoyed having this series and having it come out weekly. You have this great zealot Cree villain in Telcar, and he does this horror movie monster bit in the issue, which I just loved. You have this awesome scroll warrior showing that they can be noble and not crappy people snatchers, which is always good. And then you throw this curveball with the Cree being like, hey, we're not into genocide anymore. Okay, thanks, bye. Plus, you have this new symbiote. I really hope Donnie and Ryan can find a way to bring that symbiote into the pages of Venom. I I think that would be pretty neat. You know what else is neat? And another ending to add to our deal is uh, X-Men Blue number 36. They're wrapping up loose ends. You're right, Lorraine. I sure as heck am. Written by Colin Bunn, art by Marcus Two, colors by Matt Milla, and lettered by VCs Joe Carmagna. This book is also super sweet, poignant. We have Marvel Girl sort of bringing together the final 
chapter for the all-new X-Men who appeared from the past are now in the present. And they're just really tying up a lot of different loose ends and different storylines for each of them. They visit Mojo World. They get a little Mojo TV in, well, a la New York City. This is my maybe my favorite two-page spread of the week because you have like this new version of the X-Babies. They're so cute. They're running around. And then you have Mojo yelling, are you not entertained? It's a delight. It's got the all-new X-Men. They're tying up all their loose ends. They're hitting all of these major beats. They're going and checking in with Mojo and the super cute X-Babies. They're going to Madripoor. They're doing all of the stuff, and then they say their goodbyes. And, of course, we get a little bit of feels from Bloodstorm. Just want her to be happy and have the things she wants. She's dead, you know. She's undead. She died in the pages of Extermination, which this takes place before Extermination. So I was reading this, and I was just like, Oh, man, this happens to her, and then that happens to her? It's just so mean. I didn't even think about it. Yep. Because they're in different storylines, but what a crappy week for her. This is justice for Bloodstorm. You start that campaign. I will. I'll be right here. But it is a very poignant storyline, and it's it's been an exciting few years with the all-new X-Men being up here in the present, so I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, this is the last of about... 80 issues that Colin has written for the X-Men, which is super cool. His run on Magneto, we've talked about it a bunch, is terrific. Final book of the week is X-Men Red number 8, written by Tom Taylor, art by Carmen Cañero, and colors by Rain Barreto with VCs Corey Petit on letters. Uh, first, Nightcrawler with a beard, terrific. Second, Trinary's reveal of her secret weapon is horrifying. Such a neat character with great powers. I don't want to spoil anything more. Storm's big moment is just as good, though. What she does in this is, like, just a little reminder that Storm is one of the most powerful characters running around the Marvel Universe. I just love when we get those beats. Carmen Canero has some really solid art here, and I really like the way she draws facial expressions. Her Mm -hmm. Gabby and Jean are just wonderful. I'm all about the sister feels in this book. I love, love, love watching Laura and Gabby try to be there for each other as superheroes and also as sisters and also sort of Jean. There's just a lot of like really wonderful women supporting women in this. And I just get a lot of like, oh, sister feels. It feels good. Sister feels of the traveling pants. Sister feels of the traveling pants is my autobiography. Terrific. Uh, my autobiography would be called True Believers. And we have a bunch of those this week. They were all run you one single dollar each. Uh, and they're all Marvel Knights 20th anniversary themed. We've got one for Black Widow by Grayson and Jones, Hellcat, the first appearance, Luke Cage and the Fantastic Four, Punisher by Ennison, Dylan and Palmiati, and then Punisher War Journal by Potts and Lee. Dollar piece. It's a good deal, Lorraine. It's a super bargain. You know what else is a super bargain? Buying things on trade paperback. That's right. When you get collected comics, you get a whole bunch of stories. Uh, And we have some new ones that are coming and hitting stacks this week. We have Avengers Forever. Which is one of my favorite stories of all time, and everybody should read it. It is really good. It is indeed very good. Avengers West Coast Epic Collection, How the West Was Won. Also, a whole bunch of stuff happens in that. Oh, is that that one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, Volume 4, Damnation. Darkhold, Pages from the Book of Sins, The Complete Collection. Wink. The wink is not in there. That was just something from me. Exiles, The Complete Collection, Volume 1. Exiles, Volume 1, Test of Time. Highly suggest both of those. The Complete Collection, Volume 1, is a reprint, and that is the original Exiles series that I talk about 
all the time that is really, really terrific. Judd Winnick, Mike McCone, and other artists and, and creators, so good. And then you have that with the new Exile series, so terrific. And then Guardians of the Galaxy by Jerry Duggan, the omnibus, which means it's really big. It's big enough for an omnibus full. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go away forever. But, but first, Hulk World War Hulk number two, Thor epic collection, The Fall of Asgard, and you are Deadpool. What a way to find out. Yeah. Oh, no. Also on sale on the Marvel app this week, a bunch of those books. Uh, the Order, which is really cool. That was uh, sort of a companion book to Iron Man, I believe. The Order was neat. Uh, but then there's also another one called Muties, which is – it just disturbs me every time I think about it because it's a slur in the Marvel universe. Oh, yeah. And so when I read it, I'm just like, oh, we shouldn't be saying that. Uh, on the digital collections this week, X-Babies Classic. Highly suggest it. X-Babies for life. Tons of stuff added to Marvel Unlimited. Lots of Blade. What happened? What's going on? Somebody downstairs be like, I well, love Blade. You know what's going on. It's almost Halloween, man. You got to get your Marvel vampires in. Uh, Halloween is this holiday that people have. It's like a Comic-Con, but they just put it on one day a year and people do Comic-Con on October 31st. Why? It seems like a waste. I know. When you can have Halloween, but better all the time. By the way, come visit us at New York Comic-Con. Oh, look at you. Such a pro. We will be at New York Comic Con this year for the first time on stage with an event for Marvel's Pull List. Me and Tucker, we've got special guests. We got Matt Rosenberg, we got Cena Grace, we've got Shauna McGuire, and we've got Robbie Thompson. We've got four tremendous guests, and hopefully, you, if you're at New York Comic Con, you can participate in our event. We're going to have swag and fun stuff. It's going to be Awesome. That is on Saturday, October 6th at 11.15 a.m. It's going to be the bee's knees. And we'll be on stage for Earth's Mightiest Show. And yeah. You've got a couple of Earth's Mightiest Shows. Yeah, that's right. Come see Earth's Mightiest Show on Thursday and Sunday with me and Ryan and Langston Belton. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, Lorraine, would Marvel Chillers classify as a Halloween book? Is that like Jello Jigglers? Yeah, we'll, we'll dig into this next week. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>